Hello, hello, and welcome to Built on Hope, a podcast dedicated to competitive Imperial Assault. I'm your host, Isaac, and today we will be recording the very first Academy segment, which, as per Jess's request, explores the Beast of Junland. And speaking of her, back from Japan, here she is. Hey Jess, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. Uh, I did kind of bring back a Japanese bug with me, so I'm feeling a little ill, so if my voice sounds a little bit different. That's why, but never mind. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited to present this Academy segment, which is basically me coming up with a idea for a list and um, going through it and seeing if we can improve it. And I give it an overall evaluation at the end. Brilliant. Yeah, I think this is going to be an amazing, amazing segment. And then on to the next host. So also back from Japan. Welcome back, David. How are you doing? I think I've got a similar bug, or probably one of us got it first and transmitted it to the other one. Alrighty. Well, before we jump in to see how the 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 beasts of Junland, who some of which definitely not others, but some of which used to be pretty strong in the meta, now don't see any play at all, at least to the best of our knowledge. Before we get into the details of the segment, Jess, do you want to? wrap around the news? Yep, sure. All right. So um, first off, congrats to Jason Gemmel, the new Australian national champ. Amazing. Um, and I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name. Uh, also, in other news, we have FFG confirms that Worlds 2020 will be held at Adepticon. And uh, FFG also officially announces uh, their regional season starting and announcing of prizes on their website. In IACP news, uh, we have the end of season two and the start of season three is happening right about now. We have the end of season two playtesting is the 3rd of November. And to please use the playtesting feedback survey to submit your views about um, the season two changes. And then the 4th of November, polls will open to determine which changes will become IACP approved and go into the permanent uh, IACP. Uh, so there's also been an update to the IACP blog to better show dates for events. So check out the events page uh, if you're looking for IACP events in your area. And you can also use the event submission form if you are organizing your own event so that it can go up onto the website and people can find it. Um, and also IACP event kits are available to order. Uh, email iacontinuityproject at gmail.com. Um, also, we have our own IACP um, event that we are running um, here in the UK. Uh, David, do you want to talk about that for just a brief second? Uh, yeah, so we're running a IACP regional here in the UK at the Milton Keynes Hotel on November 17th. Um, I would like to say thanks to everyone who has prepaid, actually. And I will be preparing a set of plastic Elite Lothcat promos for all of you wonderful people who have made it a little easier for me to fund this thing. That's it for uh, my news roundup. Brilliant. Um, so one little piece of, it's not really news, it's more of just an update from the IACP team. 
So essentially, orders for trophies uh, went out several days ago. As long as the as long as everything goes well with the supplier, I'll have the trophies by the first of November, so that I will be able to ship them out. I know that there are some tournaments which are scheduled to be early in November in the states. I will be shipping them out ASAP. Fingers crossed they arrive in time for the tournament. Um, the earliest deadline I could possibly get the trophies by were the first of November, which unfortunately I I couldn't get it any earlier without sacrificing a lot of orders. Um, so that's just an update. If your uh, regional tournament, if you have purchased a regional trophy from IACP and your tournament is in the first couple of days of November, keep in mind as delivery over the pond has not been known to be the most efficient in the world um just keep in mind that that may be there may be a slight delay there Alrighty, so i suppose we'll just dive straight in so just you want to start off by just going over what the original list was yeah. So first, before I do that, I want to just talk through um, how we're going to run our academy segments. So basically, I start with some kind of crazy idea and I make a list. And then step two is I get some advice about said list. Uh, so we're I'm calling this the coaching section, uh, where I get some feedback about maybe some changes to the list and um, see if we can make that list even better. Um, then step three is testing it out, which is the skirmish section. So whoever has not given me some coaching um, and basically doesn't know what they're facing gets to um, test out this list and um, play some skirmish maps. Uh, then our final section, step four, is we give it an overall grade, which is the evaluation. And I am basically using two parameters. Basically, how fun is it and how good is it? Uh, so those are my um, two metrics there in uh, evaluating this and giving this list a grade. Um, but on to this particular list. So I have named my list Yunlin Terror. My original list is basically what can I get from Tatooine and smush them into a list? So I've got the Bantha. I've got two groups of elite Tuskins. I've got two groups of regular Tuskins. I've got an elite, elite Jawa. And for um, rounding it out, Beast Tamer, Black Market, Doubt, and Feeding Frenzy. Um, so we've got all of our favorite units from Tatooine. Uh, in my command card list, um, I put in um, black market prices because we've got Jawas in uh, change of plans because we've got a lot of groups with the same name, uh, crush, death blow, dying lunge, uh, and, uh, and we've got face to face, those things for uh, melee combat. Uh, we've got element of surprise, which is just a auto include. Yunlin Terror times two. Basically, this is what I want to pull off. This is like the whole reason I'm making this list. So I was really excited to try that out. Um, and oh, looking for a fight um, as well for uh, uh, brawlers. Uh, we've got our negation in there. Planning because Jawas are actually leaders, funnily enough. Uh, some positioning advantage and take initiative. All right, now. 
Isaac did have some things to say about this crazy list. (laughs) Indeed. So the list seems incredibly, incredibly fun. However, we do have to weigh up how we define fun, of course, because even even though a list is fun, unless you are a diehard Timmy player, getting stomped is not very fun. (laughs) So um, we did go through a couple of changes. Uh, The first of which was Feeding Frenzy and Ferocity. They're not bad cards. They're really, really good cards. However, is the Banther going to be attacking that much, if we're being honest? And is it worth a whole point for an extra surge to recover? Right. I wasn't really thinking about that one because actually the Bantha's uh, action is to then go and smush things. And um, so you want to be using your actions for movement and smushing versus actually using its attack, which is not that great. Precisely. Arguably for someone with its cost, I mean, I... It's, it's pretty horrible to say it, but I think even Biv has a better attack than the Banther. Um, and then and, and that's when you know the, your attack is not the best. Um, so that was my first piece of advice. Feeding Frenzy, you could spend your points on better things. Um, same thing with Ferocity. Um, a whole point out of your command deck is a surprising amount. I mean, it's a whole 15th of the points you can use. So getting rid of that. Again, the attack is nice but you would probably rather have some other cards which really just increase the value you get out of your banther. Uh, so the second um, so the second alteration was adding in Devious Scheme. That was basically done by removing Feeding Frenzy. Um, the idea of Devious Scheme, and this will be more apparent with the next couple of changes, is with Devious you will be able to choose the deployment zone you want, and that can be very important for the Banther, because some deployment zones will have an easier exit for massive figures than others. It'll also increase the odds of you having last activation, because if both you and your opponent have the same number of activations, whoever starts with initiative is not going to have the last activation. And Devious is just a nice way of just increasing the chance of you getting last activation. Because if you double move the Banther out as your second to last activation, if your opponent has IG, Han, Weakways, Vader your Bantha is basically dead. Because it's not going to get any value out round one, but it's going to take at least one attack. But if we're being honest with an ICP, with how Boba is now, with Han probably getting his double shots off, even Rangers, that's three attacks. So definitely trying to... The thinking there was to try and have the last and first act to really just maximize the Bantha's value. The next change we looked at was that the regular Tuskins, even though they're not horrible, they're not that useful. So we, what we decided to do was to trade them for more activations, uh, such as hide guns or jowls, which is twofold. One, activations, because, again, this is someone who has been a 9 activation Han Rangers player for quite a while. I love 9 activation Han Rangers. Um, but that has taught me just the value of having last activation. Because even if you don't use this list just to get your Banther swing off that last round with your 9 activation list, still having 9 activations is going to stop your opponent from having last activations in so many situations. Which means that even there, even if you choose not to use the Banther to its full raw direct effect, 
you can still use nine activations to just really deny your opponent their options because Han wants last activation every time. And if you go up against, say, um, a Han Droxabine list, then they're not going to have last activations if you have nine activations. Um, also, smuggler attacks. Hide guns and Jawas, they are all smugglers. And smugglers are simply rather good, especially in this list, you are, you are looking for synergy. You have the brawlers of the two sets of elite Tuscans, and you have the Bantha, which is also a brawler. But you you definitely want some more synergy other than just that. So having the hired guns and jowers, you just have a smuggler synergy for some nice smuggler cards. Right. And with the uh, black market, uh, if you lose some units, you can still have more smugglers that are able to do that. So yeah, I, I thought that seemed that seemed reasonable. And the hired guns, it's like even if they blow up, which they will blow up, they at least get to attack first. Exactly. And focusing them up or something like that, and then just sending them in as a dive bomb. And suddenly your opponent needs... Obviously, skillful positioning can get around that if you, you know... Just put a smuggler or an R2 in a way so that you can shoot the hired gun without it seeing you. But it's, you know, they're essentially like Greedo. In a way, that they are a lot weaker than Greedo, but they function in the same way, and you have multiple of them, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, so like I said, extra activations is really what we were going for, because last activation, even if you don't use it for the Bantha Swing, last activation is such a big deal. It's just denying your opponent last activation is worth so much especially as someone who's played so cagely for so long. Last activation is vital. Um, additionally, uh, we thought that the E-Jower that you already have, it's probably a good idea to get an R2 out of it, um, just for the card draw, especially if you consider the fact that if you do wish to play it this way, you would last activation, you would either double and trample, or if it's far away, you would triple move the Bantha out with BCA, of course. But you really want Jungle and Terror around one. And two copies of Jungle and Terror on paper seems weird. Because you, if you only have one Bantha, it's definitely going to get focus fired. Why would you include two? Statistics. If you have two and you have R2 and you have black market prices, the odds of you drawing one in the first round are rather big. And remember that in our command deck, we have black market prices. Which means that if we were to draw one or even crush after the Bantha's dead, then that just means we can sell for some points. So, yes, we're losing a little bit, but only a little bit. We're losing a small amount of value in exchange for getting getting some increased odds of drawing the cards we want in time. Also, I just really want to play that card. <laughs> yes, yes. It is such a fun card. I mean, when you're playing with it. I remember my first tournament when I went up against the Bantha the first time. Yeah, I can't really say it's that fun from that side of it, but running it is very, very fun. Um, furthermore, we thought that change in plans and strength in numbers is probably not as useful when you have <clears throat> the fewer Tuscan numbers. While it's a fun idea, change of plans is, I would say, way more valuable in a list which has a lot of keyword synergy with a single, with single um, model units, such as in Hunter lists, if you have Onar and Greedo, or especially in my current favorite list, or second favorite, but uh, that's for another time, um, which is an IECP list of having Chewbacca and Garkin as a Wookiee Warriors. Having Garkin activate three times in a round is gross and hilarious. And the other idea I had was adding in single purpose for a double trample. 
Okay. I really love this when you discussed it and we were for sure going to put it in. And then when I was actually yeah. making the list and putting the cards together, I forgot to put it in and I was so angry. It is so gross. A double trample and a crush. That, I mean, that is going to eat weak ways up. It's going to, on a good roll, you can get rid of some ranges with that. Um, I mean, even the big figures, if you have crush in hand, I mean... That could, that could be 11 damage against Vader right there. If you have Crush and you max roll on those two, that's oof. And then especially when you consider the fact that you can, in what was come to us, you can just use it with R2 to draw two cards. Cards are always good. Um, so yeah, you're going to get a lot of value out of it. And for example, if you compare its relative value versus Ferocities, Trample is objectively better than... Um, than ferocity and a variety in most situations. Yeah, because what I was thinking as well after you had mentioned it is that the the Bantha's not there to do attacks. It's there to do unblockable damage. I think that's the part that makes it so interesting and so good is that when you do trample, it just does damage. You don't have to worry about those defense rolls. Uh, and same thing with um, Stampede, uh, the landing on figures and smushing them. Um, that's also unblockable damage, which I think is really strong. Like I said, especially if you're going up against something like Vader, which has two defense die uh, or, you know, things that just have extra block, uh, you know, on attack <laughs> rolls. Precisely. Which is, which is the power of it, which I'm going to, I'm going to touch on at the end of the episode. Um, Cause it's not hyper relevant here as we haven't discussed how it performed yet, but that is something I definitely want to touch on because just that late game unblockable damage. It's beautiful. And then finally, um, Essentially just adding, maybe it was already in, I don't know, but having black market prices in it, just because, again, you have three cards, <laughs> three cards and seven points dedicated just to the Bantha, which is really, really, that's where you, or you're, is where you're in risque territory, because that can be a little bit difficult to justify. But when you have black market and black market prices, it gives you a good chance to sell the cards, still get points out of it if the Bantha is dead when you draw them. Also a grisly contest, because again, like we said, unblockable damage. And if you get a double trample or crush and grisly contest off, that's absolutely gross. It's disgusting. Exactly. Yeah, I was pretty excited about some of the options to combo. <laughs> um, and then finally, opportunistic. Um, for several reasons. I mean, Scum just loves opportunistic because it's free moving points. But the Bantha loves Optionistic because it's free movement points. And because, again, with Master Figures, the Bantha can only um, stampede once on during its activation. But remember, because a Master Figure, if it ends its turn in a, in, the spa in a space that... or ends its movement in a space that contains a hostile figure, it can't move again for that activation. Which means, Optionistic... It just means that you can kind of use him outside of activation and then when you think of you know some ways for you to do to do damage be it let's say at the end of the, at the end of the round you use black market to kill a hired gun who takes a parting shot and does the damage to someone which then triggers optionistic which allows the banther to stampede another time before he then plays jungle and terror again it's 
And even if you don't get, if you're not able to get that combo off for, for an extra stampede, just an extra three movement points. The Bantha, even though it can move 15 in one turn, it is slow. It's big and bulky and annoying to move around. Three movement points is massive. Right. And just as a note for all of you listeners out there who have never seen this Yudlin Terror card before, let me just read it because I'm pretty sure most of you have not played with it before. Okay, so it's um, at the end of a round, choose a Tusken Raider or a Bantha Rider figure. The chosen figure gains two movement points and may interrupt to perform an attack or a Special action. So for the special action, uh, what I want to be able to get off is the Bantha Rider's Trample, which is choose up to three adjacent hostile figures and roll one red die. Each of these figures suffers damage equal to the damage results. So that's what I'm trying to get with the Yunlin Terror is I get it to trample, I roll red die, it does unblockable damage, and also the stampede feature, uh, when you end your movement in spaces that contain other figures, each hostile figure in your space suffers one damage. So basically that's what I'm trying to do with the Bantha. And um, I really liked the idea of the Tusken Raiders, how they have a melee attack but they have as a special action the Tuscan Cycler to perform a ranged attack using a blue and a red die, um, but you can't use special ability. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. It's a melee figure that has the option to do a ranged attack. So I was like, okay, that seems interesting. Let's try it out. So I put together this silly list with Banthas and Tuscans um, and just to see how they would perform. So my kind of thing is I wanted to see how those two units perform because the other units that I put in Jawas we've seen pretty regularly for the smuggler tag and a lot of uh, other lists. R2 obviously gets seen a lot. Um, hired guns I haven't seen so much, so I was curious to see how they performed. But it's mostly the Bantha and the Tuscans. I wanted to see um, how the current maps and um, how 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 decent are they? Can are they playable? Basically, Isaac, any last thoughts? So I suppose as for the coaching section of the segment, um, what we want to do was take the list that we had. And I, this is something I would recommend if you are looking to experiment with a fun figure. I definitely have from time to time. It is a lot of fun. But just try and keep in mind that it's very, very easy to get carried away. It's very easy to say, okay, I want to try running this. So an example is if you think that you want to try and have a melee-based scum list. It's very easy to get rid of all hunters and just have Shyla, Maul, double Gamorians. No. Start small. Just small alterations. Have a classic hunter list, which you know is good, or another or different ICP scum list, which you know is good. And then just add some flavor. Get a feel for the characters as surgical strike units. Because if you understand how the characters feel when they're not the queen piece, they're not the ones which that have to do all the work, then you'll fully understand what the character can do, which means you will be able to build a list around it more effectively. But if you just go all in, okay, I want to build a melee scum list, let's throw in all the possible uh, Gamorians, let's throw in more just because... Sure, you can do it that way if you feel like it. But if you start with small alterations, 
that means that you still need to have the competitive mindset that most people already know because a hun hunters is something that all people know how to play they're a little easier to play than some other play styles and if you completely change up the whole way you play then that could be very foreign to you which could encourage you to make poor decisions because again you don't know exactly how the figure works so that would be my recommendation make incremental changes this is not an incremental change so this is a say do as i say not as i do uh situation um but we definitely turned it more towards a it was definitely more playable in a in a more regular and competitive sense rather than you know just all of the jungling things that you could throw in well so okay that's isaac's viewpoint i say go for it just do it see what <laughs> but yeah this is why we kind of wanted to have both of us collaborating on a list and see what happens okay um so the final um list after having some coaching was we've got the bantha which i discussed it's um trample and stampede uh we've got the elite tuscan raiders uh which have a built-in one damage which I, which I thought was pretty cool um they have a melee attack that's red green and they have their special action tuscan cycler to perform a ranged attack so if you don't quite get adjacency you can use a range attack instead so i have two groups of tuscan raiders um, then we've got uh one group of hired guns i've got an elite jawa we've got r2 and two non-elite jawas with beast tamer black market and devious scheme so i end up with um eight activations um there uh, for the command list, we've got black market prices. Um, so I, I like that one because like we said before, there are some cards that perhaps late game, if the Bantha's not around still, might want to sell those um, for some points. We've got Crush, which is great. Uh, any massive figure, use when you end your movement in spaces that contain one or more other figures. Choose one of those figures that is small. That figure suffers four damage. It's perfect for the Bantha. It just wants to smush things. Death Blow, Dying Lunge, face-to-face uh, -face grizzly contest, looking for a fight. Uh, those are for our melee units there. Element of Surprise. Uh, and we've got Yunlin Terror, which I described. You can do a special action with the Bantha or Tuscan Raiders. You could use those if the uh, Bantha's not around. Uh, negation, uh, opportunistic, planning, positioning advantage, and take initiative. All right. So that's the list that I ended up with. Um, so then uh, we uh, randomly drew a map. And so we drew Tarkin AI. And David put together a list without knowing what mine was. Uh, kind of, I, I told him to do kind of like a not, not like a super meta list, just something to test out mine against something standard. Um, so David, do you want to walk us through what you came up with? Uh, sure. So <clears throat> I built a kind of interesting but fairly standard Imperial list. So I was playing the Grand Inquisitor, two elite riots, and two elite jets. One officer, extra armor, Zillow, and uh, rule by fear. So it's pretty much the normal kind of imperial beefy stuff that you see, but testing out the Inquisitor. Riot's 
with reinforcements and jets with uh, call the vanguard grenades and uh, fuel upgrade basically and the rule by fear to kind of dig out these cards in the beginning so i actually didn't know that i was going to be facing a bantha list interestingly enough though i have actually played a lot of bantha back in the day so it was uh, gonna be interesting for sure okay and then when you saw my list what were your strategies what were you thinking facing against this list? So I was going to spread out to mitigate the Bantha a little bit. I have actually played a lot with Elite Tuscans, and I kind of decided a long time ago that they were terrible, even before the Jabba's expansions. So I wasn't too worried about those. Yeah, I guess I didn't know what was in your command deck. Uh, I think I think something else I did notice was that there were a lot of activations but devious schemes on top of it, which against my list, I think I only had six activations. It was a bit of a waste because you're actually buying a huge number of additional activations and paying for devious when you would have had last act anyways, even with seven and no devious. Oh, okay. So for me going into this match, I wanted to, number one, uh, be rather aggressive with the Bantha, but I wanted to do that at the end, last activation, so that it wasn't going to be taking a lot of damage, and I could get a lot of damage out first before it took a lot of hits, because the Bantha doesn't roll any um, defense die, so it's going to take a lot of damage, and it's one of those things where you know it's going to go down eventually. It's just a matter of how long you can keep it uh, up for. Um, so I was thinking of uh, timing for when I pull out the Bantha. So I was really hoping to kind of bait out your units first to try to then see where I could position the Bantha. And I was planning on then using um, all my Jawas, hired guns, to basically uh, do objectives. Especially since it's Tarkin AI, um, and with I have a lot of figures, that's a lot of uh, units that I can use to, to get um, points. All right, so Isaac, do you have any notes on how that match went? Because you were, you were spectating. I do indeed. So it was definitely an interesting matchup seeing the, because again, um, Jess and I were going for trying to have a large amount of activations to really just guarantee last activation and then with Devious to get first activation round two. Um, however, obviously that is a little bit irrelevant against David's Imperialist, but if you look at the broader meta with most lists, are probably scum lists which have a little bit more range than this list would or they have high activations etc i think it would be a little more viable um so essentially the map was Tarkin permission ai the first thing of note that happened was that negation was played um for david round one to get rid of planning yeah i think i i played it to get rid of planning because with that list there wasn't going to be the uh, Rebel Graffiti. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, uh, so planning two cards is a pretty good option. I mean, I wasn't going to save it for 
element or anything like that. Makes sense. Um, after that, one of the um, the Ejawa who then fails to plan, um, then decides to double move all the way down the map towards the hangar, which I think was a good choice. Just, you know, being able to control more areas where the AI could hop. It's always a good idea. After that, the Tuscans opened the top door, the one which has the lane between the deployment zones, not the one between the terminals. I never know when to open the door. I agonize <laughs> about opening the door. And which door? And when? <laughs> so Exactly. And, and, and the, the thing here is that I had, because as it was a, a, you know, a game where we wanted to see what it could do, um, hints were definitely allowed. So I suggested for her to open the door. She then opened the door with the Tuscans. Um, whereas I had intend, whereas I was thinking uh, for the Jawa to open the door, just because that means that your Tuscans can then run out and still threaten. Whereas if you open the door with Tuscans, two Tuscans are scarier than one Jawa, even though a ja- even though they're not too scary, they are a little more intimidating than a singular Jawa. So, so if that if the Jawa had opened the door, uh, might have been a slightly better decision, but. Still, it got you the door open, and you were able to move into the middle, and it did actually pay, pay off for you, um, because you were able to bait, which I think was re- was really well done, you were able to bait his forces to kind of move out a little bit. That was kind of my idea, is that I was, my plan is I really needed him to move his stormies out into the middle area so I could smush them. <laughs> so I was, that was kind of what I was trying to do. Uh, but I completely get what you're coming from about the, um, you should probably use figures that are not as good combat wise to open doors because that's just an action wasted. Um, so I, I find it agonizing deciding about opening the door here. I decided to do it early because I wanted to bait out the, the stormtroopers. That, that was an elite Jawa, wasn't it? I can't remember. Because I I don't know. I think a, a Jawa with tools for the job might actually be better than two Okay, Tuskins. spoiler alert for the evaluation section. The Tuscans are terrible. Okay, the Tuscans are terrible, y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, they anyway. look so good on paper, but they're just not. Yeah, I mean, even even back before Java's Realm was released, I had cut them from my bantha yeah. list. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, at this point in the game, they're really irrelevant. It was worth a try. Yeah, exactly. They could probably use an IACP fix, hint, hint. <laughs> Trust me, I've been thinking about it. So then after that... The uh, David was successfully like, baited into opening the door into the same alley that the Bantha was coming out of and tried to very cleverly set for stun, which I then negated because I was like, oh, no. I really want to have the Bantha not go down too early because I know that it is eventually going to go down um, because, again, it doesn't have any uh, defense dice. Um, I don't have a lot of defensive options with this list, um, but I don't want it to be not doing anything round one. That would be devastating. Um, So that's why I chose to use the negation on that stun yeah i think that was a good move completely agree that's probably one of the best negates you could have gotten i think so too because obviously um i do think that negation is 
in this list, in this situation, is not something you want to play around one because if you can guarantee your Bantha that that start around and then round swing, if that is how you want to play the Bantha, which is how we wanted to play the Bantha in this game, then negation, I think, not getting rid of element, not getting rid of planning, I think would be good options. However, <laughs> a stun would essentially just ruin that idea anyway. So it would essentially be the lesser of two evils if you get rid of a stun rather than get rid of a take initiative. And especially since take initiative in David's list, the odds of him having take initiative round two is relatively low. So those are some pretty fair odds you can take. Yeah. So I also think that was a really good choice. And also I was thinking with the Bantha, it's you have to have it move and do its stampede. Uh, and with your Beast Tamer as well, you want it to be getting in there quite far. Um, versus if you had a range unit with stun, you might be able to pull off clearing stun and still attacking if you were in a decent position. But like the Bantha can't really get away with that. It, it needs to be moving in quite far, especially round one coming from the deployment zone. Um, so then after that, um, my thought process was try to get my units uh, grabbing the AI points. So I used the Tuskins for this, which was a questionable choice because they are combat units. So they weren't doing uh, as much combat wise. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? So I fall into this trap a lot is that I will take combat units and and use them to get objective points on the map, even though they are really strong combat units, which arguably would be better spent perhaps attacking. So I'm probably a little bit spoiled in this regard because because I've been playing and I know I refer to this a lot, but it is basically my life as an Imperial Assault. I play Han Rangers quite a lot and with Han Rangers, you learn pretty quickly your Rangers never do objective play <laughs> unless you are in a really, really good position. Han and Rangers, they just don't do objective play. That's your smuggler's job. That's Mac's job if you're feeling very, very brave. But the Rangers just never do it unless you know you're safe, if, you're, if, if it's behind a corner. So that is something which, it depends a lot on your play style and how you play because, I mean, you just, you've been historically an Imperial player. And in, and in an Imperial player, those lines do blur because you don't have those figures which just exist for objective play like you do right. in Scarpa or Rebels. You have your Jets, and usually they will be with the ones doing objectives and attacking with all their movement and with their attack. And even the officers, I wouldn't call the officers objective figures. They are simply... I would consider the officers support figures, even though they basically do the same thing as smugglers. They are more there as Gideons to move around, to body block, to have a defensive reroll whilst body blocking, which is terribly annoying, and to get objectives when it works. But the Jets and Riots are usually the ones more in Imperialists. They're, they're more likely to do the objective play. So I think a lot of it depends on your background and what you consider an attacking figure to be and what you consider an objective figure to be. Because I, for example, like I said, my rangers, they attack. They don't risk themselves. They just attack. And when they don't attack, they stay in cover. Whereas with jets, if they don't attack, then they're just getting some points because they don't care. It's it's difficult to take them out. They have Zillow. They have Agile. And if your opponent wants to invest a lot of resources to, take, to get rid of them, cool. Your opponent probably overexposed to get that kill. So you're happy to take some points in that regard. Whereas if I lose a ranger, not worth it. So I think that in that situation... 
maybe not the best idea, especially when you have hired guns who are more suited to that to that job. Right. Uh, but but not a horrible idea because again, the Tuscans are as we realize the Tuscans aren't the best fighting force. Oh god, yeah, they're just not good. <laughs> they're just terrible. They're so bad. But there's no subtle way to go about it. They absolutely they're absolutely horrible. Um so in most situations probably no. Yeah, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I ended up using my Tuscans more for objective grabs because, I, okay, I was very intrigued by their option to go um, melee and ranged, but like their attacks are really gross. Like their their ranged attack is terrible because you can't use any of your surge abilities um, with it. Uh, so it ends up being such piddly damage, and especially against um, a um, a team with Zillow to add that one block. Like you're you're not going to get damage through with that attack, especially in the meta now with three attack dice. It just it it doesn't hold up. Yeah, so. With that, I did manage to successfully kind of bait out the Stormtrooper force, and so then I could move in with the Bantha and end up um, trampling over um, a Riot and a Jet Trooper. And with Yunlin Terror, which I did get in my uh, original hand, which I was really excited about, I managed to do five damage on the Riot and Jet Trooper, which is pretty decent. Um, And I've gotten the Bantha in there kind of absorbing blaster bolts and 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 see if i can then dominate the map that way yeah i think so i guess from your perspective you thought you had baited me but from my perspective i thought i had baited you so i gave you uh two units to hit with with the bantha rather than the three that you probably wanted because you were gonna get one no matter what and I think I was trying to pick which two you could hit by putting them closer together, basically. Because the, the Banthas... I mean, okay, the, the reason why I don't think it's a queen piece is because you trade it for something. And you're trying to trade up in points before it dies. Right? It's going to die for sure. So for the Bantha to pay off, it needed to kill more than... 10 points of my list because you've got the beast tamer upgrade as well which is at a minimum i guess something like two jets and a riot which is quite quite tough to do actually see i don't see it that way though because i don't feel like it works out tactically that way like you can't just say trading points for points because there's some things that you get that aren't tangibly quantified with points. Uh, So for example, um, it blocks line of sight. It is a big figure. It causes uh, congestion in terms of moving around the map. So I was hoping to gain more kind of map control um, and allowing it so that um, you'd be focusing on the Bantha, allowing my other units to do a lot of things while you're focused on the Bantha, um, which you can't really put as easily a number on because it's like, okay, how many objective points can I get while you're focused on the Bantha is kind of like an awkward metric. Um, So for me, it's not like a how many points can it by itself kill 
to trade and get back its points. It's can I get objectively tactical advantages that maybe aren't as easy to put a number on. Um, so that's my take on it. I mean, to be honest, I absolutely agree with you there. My aim is never to get my points back from my figures. If I have three smugglers, if I end my game with them getting, giving me six points, I feel really disappointed in their performance. If I have three smugglers, I'm expecting them to get me way more points than they're worth. If I And I will never sacrifice harm to get a, a kill worth 10 points. So I get how it works as a concept for some lists, but, I mean, just like you said, my smugglers give me way more than two points worth of value if they're body blocking for my rangers the whole game. That is an incredible, incredible utilization of them because it stops you from killing my rangers. But do I actually get any points out of it? No. But that's definitely not a wasted use of a smuggler. So I, I, I think late game, yes, absolutely, you want to go point by point. But that's more along the lines of reasonable trades rather than getting your points worth value. So I think it's an interesting concept. I don't think it's applicable in most lists. It's applicable in some. It's not applicable in most lists, and I wouldn't say it's applicable in an Advanced list. So I agree with Jess. I think it's it's definitely a depth of roster and a win condition problem, which we're kind of ignoring right now. Because what you really need to be aware of is how you're going to win the game, right? So where you're going to either get the 40 or how you're going to table them with. And I think the issue was just that the supporting roster of the Bantha was not good enough to finish the job afterwards. Right. Right. Absolutely. So at the end of the game, uh, uh, David does actually play take initiative. Riots uh, attack the Bantha and strain out Yunlin Terror, which was really big. And he plays uh, Call the Vanguard. Um, and so then that, w- that, that was a big combo. And uh, the Bantha didn't get to do too much more. Um, and the Inquisitor kills off. Oh my gosh, that Inquisitor round was pretty crazy. Um, he like attacks one Tuscan and kills off two figures with cleave because he has that like ranged cleave. That was pretty nuts. Um, it was almost a full wipe of my team, basically. I had like R2 and one Jawa left at the end. And I ended up losing 30-40. And Like David said, after my Jawa had gone down, my support units just couldn't cope. Like the, oh my goodness, I can't tell you how garbage the Tusken Raiders are. They're so expensive for what they do. Yeah, they just really, really underperformed. And there's just so many other uh, scum figures for those points that you could put in instead that you get a lot more value out of. Um, So overall, to be fair... I thought it did better than I was expecting. So I I thought the Bantha was really fun to play. The Tusket Raiders were really terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, with, with the list as it was, I think you did the right thing in going for victory points mm-hmm. because your, your combat ability was just so low. Using the Tuskens to get extra points actually got you pretty close to you know contesting the win at 30 40 even though you got tabled by the end of round two if you had not done that i think you might have just killed one or two more figures and 
gotten tabled, but without all of those victory points. Right. Yeah. Um, but again, it's very map dependent because I could pull that off because it was Tarkin. Um, but if it was a different map, like let's say like fluctuations, which is a really huge map or, you know, uh, something else like, or, or let's say um, gangsters, where you have to kill units to get objective points. Um, that could be tricky with my list uh, as well. And especially like Coruscant back alleys with a massive figure seems really awkward. But it could be awkward for the other team too. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, pros and cons. I think it's all right because it can walk over most of the spaces and it's quite a small map. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe that might be interesting to play on that map. But uh, yeah, I, I, I we did uh, have like a second match as well, but that went even worse. And we did have... But the, did you know what? I think the takeaway message was the Bantha actually did better than I was expecting, but the, the Tuscans were just terrible. So let's move into... Final evaluation. In terms of fun, I grade this an A because I had a lot of fun playing around with the Bantha and like trying to smush and having a thematic list. I just thought that was really fun, like to put together the list. Effectiveness, like a C, maybe. What are your thoughts? So I, I would agree. I mean, I just enjoy playing beasts anyways and the bantha has a lot of supporting command cards and things that make it really interesting uh, in terms of effectiveness i think the the list itself as is is probably what you graded it but the bantha itself's not bad i mean yeah absolutely that's what i was surprised with it did a lot better than i was expecting okay but we we are also maybe forgetting that in 2017 the world championship finals was uh, paul heaver versus dan taylor and there was a bantha in that game so it is you can build something around it that was really? competitive at at that time and the meta is not drastically different from then there, there have been some minor alterations but i mean the 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 hunter dominance was there and it's still alive and kicking um I think for me, I would I, I would say the exact same thing. Uh, fun fact, it was definitely a fun list to try. Without, <laughs> if Tuskins actually had been good, it would have been a lot more fun. Um, effectiveness, yes, I'd say not optimal. But, I mean, just like David said, just like Jess said, I think that, and this is what I wanted to touch on at the end, is that I think that the Bantha as a, not, not a Lothcat type unit, because Lothcats are more... They're more situated to deep striking in and then killing off that, or even just killing with all its buffs, just that figure. I kind of like the idea of just saving the Banther, just to try and keep it alive inside. That's going to be very, very difficult, especially on some maps. But just, just save the Banther. Just, just keep it a little more safe, and then, and then use it late game as an, okay, so Vader has two health left. He is 15 spaces away. There's no way I can get him. Bantha time. Essentially, as a... as Because, a, again, that unblockable damage... Yes, unblockable damage is good. Unblockable damage in a very tight 
competitive game is massive, especially when you consider at the range you can do it with. Because um, I mean, essentially, it's like a Lothcat, except there's there's no chance to dodge. But a Lothcat can always whiff. I mean, in my French Nationals finals, um, a smuggler survived. It took three Lothcat attacks for for my smuggler to die. First one whiffed, the second one dodged, and the third one actually killed. So, yeah, it, it's certainly interesting. I'd say the band has a lot of potential, but not in a jungle list. I'm I'm sorry to say. Yeah, no, that did not work out. Uh, but another interesting note as well is that uh, the Tuscan uh, Rider, because it's actually being you know ridden by a humanoid sentient creature, uh, the Bantha is actually is able to interact. So you, it's not a like a non sentient like Nexus or something like that that can't interact with things. So that's an interesting note as well. So. Hot take. Heard it here first. Finals. World's gonna be Banthas. <laughs> Double Bantha mirror match. Calling in there. <laughs> totally. uh, so I, I'm actually curious to try playing with it a bit more. It, it was really fun. Yeah, but the Tuscans, uh, their their attack just weren't up up there, especially with the with the new three uh, three dice attacks units. It, it, they're just there are so many other better options that have ranged attacks that have you know there's melee units that are have better options as well. They're they're just not not worth having that option to do a ranged attack. I, I thought it was a cool idea, but yeah, it, the, it's just not not worth it. Uh, well, I think it's quite telling that the Tuscan Raiders cost the same number of points as Elite Weequays, or oh, Elite Riots, or Elite Jets. Yeah, just no. Why would you? Why would you ever take them over Elite Weequays? You just you would never. And then you get the Hunter Suite. Oh, it's just not worth discussing. <laughs> and and the thing I find so ironic about them is that one of the biggest problems is that Cycler doesn't with, with Tuscan Cycler the special action to perform a range attack you lose your ability and your surge abilities yeah that's re- like crazy it's not even yeah, that I mean, good anyway I mean you say that but the surges are absolutely horrible yeah yeah I mean w- w- if we're being honest would you actually gain anything the only re- the only thing you actually sorry that you're missing out on yeah sure the cleave one at ranged is awesome but the only thing you're really sorry that you're missing out on is the static plus one damage but none of the other surges do anything <laughs> which there where the brutal irony is yeah it, so we, it's got it's got it's got surge for weaken and it's got surge for cleave one that's it yeah so even their surges are are not amazing okay i mean we weakens pretty I mean, good weakens not bad Weekend but it's not that bad I, I would say it's definitely the weakest of the harmful conditions but i i actually don't think that it's the um cannot use abilities that ruins that attack it's the fact that all you have is a uh, one blue so you can roll two accuracy which is actually the same as yeah. just giving them reach yeah mhm yeah but overall, I had a, I had a really fun time making this list and playing it and trying it out. So, final closing remarks. Definitely, if you have a silly idea in mind, just try it. Because even if it plays abysmally and you lose really badly, it, it's still pretty fun to mix it up. Absolutely. What I will say, though, 
is if you want to try out something new, it's easy to get, it's easy to go too far. If you really want to try the effectiveness of a new combo, then put the combo in something that already works. You don't need to reinvent the wheel to adjust a knob. If you want to adjust the knob, go for it. No need to, no need to exchange the tire for a giant elastic band. That would be my closing remark. David, any closing remarks for you? Um, I would say that in trying out new lists, just go for it also. I think the the tuning lists and having a base that's very reliable is a very... It's kind of the spike way of uh, building new lists. But if you want to find something that's just really offbeat, I think you've got to risk it for the biscuit, as they say. <laughs> Marvelous. So we've got some contrasting opinions. I mean, try it both. See, see what appeals to you the most. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've had situations where I've tried to... Well, I, where I've gone too far. And it means that I've missed out on the valuable combos that could be created because I decided to push too far. Whereas, of course, you could lose quite a lot of fun factor if you just decide to make it an alteration rather than a whole list built around the combo. So definitely try both. Yeah, I mean, okay. I think I think the thing is, what is your goal, right? If your goal is to make that unit work or to test the kind of stats efficiency and viability of something in the meta, then you should definitely tune a list for it. But if your goal is to build a new list archetype, your result is going to be whether or not you can make it work, right? Not whether or not one figure out of it can fit into something else. That's a very good point. Yeah, I think for me, um, in our academy segments, I want to just try something crazy. If you have a crazy idea and you want to see me try it out, feel free to email us at uh, builtonhopeia at gmail.com. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed it. See you in the next one. Good night, listeners. Bye-bye, Jess. Oh, oh, Sorry. Have a good night, everyone. Or a day. What a, have a good day. <laughs>